Years ago, I called my friend Cal, who had a landscaping business and a nursery uh, for trees. And I said, Cal, you got to come over to my house. I need help. He says, what's up? And I said, well, uh, I've got this tree. It's this pine tree. It's kind of overgrown and it's kind of dying. And uh, I just need to get rid of it. I need you to come over and just cut it down and take it away. And he said, Quentin, are, are you kidding me? I said, no, that's just what needs to be done. He goes, Quentin, th th a tree is a living thing. A tree is, is, is a beautiful thing. You can't just come over and, I can't just come over and cut it down. I said, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. Come on over and take a look and, you know, do your magic on my really ugly, misshapen tree. He says, okay. So he comes over. Cal pulls up in his fancy landscaping truck and he gets out and he, and, he, and he walks around the pine tree, like looking at every angle like three times, once, twice, three times. Hmm. So what do you think? He says, Quentin, we need to cut down this tree. It's dead. It's terrible. Uh, it, it needs to go. And I said, okay, great. And I said, but do you have another tree we can put in this place? He goes, yeah, well, we'll get to that. But first we got to cut this one down. And I was so shocked because I thought he was the mystery. We got, it's a beautiful thing. But no, he said, it's time for it to go. It's got to go. So, you know, that's kind of the way it goes with a lot of things in this world. You just kind of, they, they have their kind of life and then you just get rid of them. I, I remember as a young kid, uh, and for those of you who are younger, this is going to be hard to imagine. But we had, uh, we had a whole industry called TV repair. And there were guys, like in our town, it was Dell's TV repair. And Dell came by when your TV broke and there was something wrong with your TV. And he would drive up in his big truck and had all these TV parts inside. He'd come in, your TV was gigantic, and he would unplug all these things and test all these things and then he'd go out in his truck and find these big bulbs and wires and stuff and he'd fix your TV. And you'd hang on to a TV for, I don't know, a decade or more. I mean, it was just, that's the way it was. Nowadays, it's just disposable. I mean, the TV doesn't work anymore. You just throw it away, give it away. You can't even give them away. They don't want to take them. And uh, lots of appliances are like that now. They're completely disposable. Um, and, you know, for years, I mean, we've had disposable napkins and plates. I mean, you know, just toss those. Uh, disposable razors, disposable cameras. Wow, okay. So the idea is we use it until it's broken or dead, and then we throw it away. Let's carry this into our humanity, you know, and our, into our relationships and into our world. There are a lot, lots of signs of brokenness and dying and, and, and death in our world. We've seen a lot of that in the last 12 months, a lot of feeling of brokenness and hurt and pain. We're in a world of hurt, and it's all around us. And there's the obvious ones, disease, death, disaster. Those are, those are we're fairly familiar with. But then there's others, broken, broken relationships, broken homes, People in poverty, violence in cities and neighborhoods and schools and families, broken hearts, broken promises. There's grief, there's sorrow, there's anger, unresolved conflicts, losses. So today I want to talk to you about hope in the midst of all that brokenness and ask you, what's broken, what's broken in your world? 
What's broken in your personal life? What feels like it's dying? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your security. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's something in your family. Maybe it's something in, our, in your neighborhood. What's broken in our world as we look around us? The people you know. What's broken? What's dying? What's hurting? Lots of stuff is broken or sick or dying or dead in our world. And, and guys, that's a bummer. But I got good news for you today. And that, that is this. God does not circle around us three times and say, we got to cut it down. We need to throw it away. Instead, God circles around us three times and says, I want to repair and restore and redeem the brokenness and the hurt in your life and in your world. I want to renew and revive all the dying and dead things that I have made that are in your world. That is essentially the message of the whole Bible. It is the good news of Jesus. The message of the Bible is that God has entered into this broken and dying world and has already begun his project of redeeming the world. He's not done yet, but we all have all sorts of amazing happenings now that tell us that God is on a mission to save people and to make this world new again. You know, for a long time, I, I bought into a gospel that was essentially a two-part gospel. There's theologians that talk about this. And part one of the two-part gospel is we are flawed, sinful, broken, dying people. And part two is Jesus came to save us and make us right with God. But really, the Bible has a really a four-part gospel. It's a bigger one. That's, a good, that's good as far as it goes, and we say amen to it, but it's incomplete. The Bible has a bigger and grander vision, and it is this. Part one is that God created the world and declared it to be good, very good, and it brought God great pleasure. Part two is the world was broken through the fall, and we became flawed and sinful people, broken. Part three is that Jesus did came to save us through his cross and resurrection and make us right with God. But then he enlists us to join him in this renewal. And part four is that God is actively working to make all things new again. His work will culminate in the arrival of the new heavens and the new earth that you read about in Revelation. Today we are going to go back and look at the book of Acts and I want to encourage you to, you know, maybe grab your Acts journal. We, we maybe put those away for a few weeks, but we want to pull those out again. Get out your Acts journal. Keep some notes. Um, and we're going to look at it and get an idea of the healing and renewal that God has done, can do, and will do in your life and in our world if we trust him. And we're going to discover lasting hope in a world of hurt. That's what I'm going to talk about today. Lasting hope in a world of hurt. And the only lasting hope in a world of hurt is the powerful love of Jesus. It's the powerful love of Jesus that's going to make all the difference. So I don't know, I'm sure you guys have seen trailers to movies. Um, the trailer doesn't tell you the whole story. It just kind of gives you a sneak peek or a preview or a little taste, foretaste of what is to come. It certainly doesn't tell you the end of the story because uh, that would spoil the movie. But it gives you a preview a foretaste of what the movie is all about. So come with me to 
a trailer of sorts in the book of Acts is a preview of what God is going to do at the end of the story. So I want to give you a few principles of how God brings lasting hope into our world of hurt. The first principle is this, the powerful love of Jesus brings healing in our brokenness. The powerful love of Jesus bring healing, brings healing in our brokenness. Book of Acts, last week we looked at Saul and his incredible transformation. And actually Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, which is a story of the early church, now shifts focus and he goes back to Peter, the apostle Peter, the early follower of Jesus, and he's going to kind of reintroduce him to the story. And it's building up to an incredible thing that happens. We'll look at that next weekend. But Acts chapter 9, verse 32, it says, As Peter was traveling from place to place, he also came down to the saints. These are the believers, new believers. The gospel had now spread to this place, which is about 25 miles from Jerusalem, to the coast a Mediterranean Sea in a place called Lydda. Today it's known as Lode. You can go to Lydda, and, and this is kind of a little bit more like what ancient Lydda was like. This is where it is. And then there's the modern city of now known as Lode, uh, and it's this beautiful city uh, on, near the Mediterranean coast in Israel. In verse 33, there Peter found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. And guys, I wanted you to think about what it would be like because for some part of this man's life he had a whole body that worked and that he could he could exercise in and work in and 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 walk in and and but for the last eight years of his life something happened it could have been disease it could have been an accident he could have fallen off his roof I, I don't know what it was but it happened and he was paralyzed and he had been totally bedridden for eight years eight years bedridden imagine without modern medicine the discomfort of that uh, he was cut off socially because many times in, that, in those days, people that had disabilities were looked down upon. You kind of distanced yourself from them. People didn't want to be around them. Um, there were great difficulties that he encountered. He could no longer work. He could no longer provide. And so there was an emotional hit. There was tremendous heartache associated with this. And there's many people in our world who live with those sorts of disabilities. And so we can kind of enter into their world for just a moment and enter into the world of Aeneas. And he, in his journey through to Lydda to kind of meet with the believers there, he runs across this man. And, you know, God just spoke to Peter and says, you can do something here for this man. And so he turns to him in verse 34 and he said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. No fuss, no elaborate ritual, no incantation, no formulas, no abracadabra, kalashazam. He just says, Jesus Christ heals you. Aeneas, and then he says, get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up. There's two miracles here. First miracle is that he's instantaneously cured of his paralysis, which was an amazing miracle. Jesus Christ did that. It wasn't Peter. He was the instrument or the channel through which Jesus Christ did that, but Jesus is the one who heals. And this is a little sign of what Jesus is able to do in our lives. He is a healer, and we've experienced that, physical healing, when we pray that God will heal us. We've oftentimes seen that. God doesn't always promise us to heal in this life, but many times we pray for healing, and God brings that to us. And that's what Jesus Christ can do. But then the second miracle is he says, get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up. So now that is power. 
For some of us, some of you for years have been trying to get your teenagers to you know, get up and make your bed. And, and, and he just says it and the guy does it. Um, that's the great miracle there too. There is no other explanation than the miraculous that this guy would just immediately follow that direction. Um, by the way, does this story sound like a story you might have heard in the Gospels? Sure. Jesus healing the paralytic. Remember the friends bring the man who can't, and he says, take up your mat and walk. And that's exactly what Aeneas did. So Peter is following in the footsteps of Jesus. He does the very same thing for Aeneas. And then it says in verse 35, so all who lived in Lydda and Sharon nearby saw him and turned to the Lord. So in other words, this compassionate, this powerful love of Jesus shown to this bedridden man opens up a lot of hearts and they turn to the Lord because they said, if this is the sort of God who does this, then we can trust him for all the other broken things in our world. And that's what he's calling on you to do, to turn to him. Maybe for some of you, the very first time to turn to him, a Jesus Christ who heals people, he's real. And a Jesus Christ who can heal not just physical maladies, but matters of the heart, relationships, heartaches. Where are you today that's broken? Where are you that you need healing in your brokenness? Can you honestly just ask Jesus to bring healing to you. It may happen instantaneously, miraculously, or it may happen gradually. We don't know the timing of this, but they turn to the Lord because Jesus is God's appointed healer for everything that ails the human race. Not just physical, but matters of the heart and soul. What's your brokenness today? Where do you need healing? Ask Jesus. Jesus Christ heals you. For people that we reach out to, in need, like Peter did. We can look around and see many kinds of need in our world. Now, what's a, a kind of a natural reaction for us is to avoid people in need. But here, Peter goes straight to the person in need. So, so the fur, you know, another application of this passage is that we can reach out to people in need instead of avoiding them. Came across a couple of far side comics here. Here's one. Um, he says to this guy here, bummer of a birthmark, Hal. And he doesn't want to be near Hal because Hal's got a target on him. So he avoids him. Here's another one. Uh, it's like, uh, hey, not, I'm looking out for me. Could you get him instead? So it's, it's like we're always looking out for number one here. But God says, no, look out for somebody else who's hurting. Peter had experienced Jesus' healing and forgiveness. And he now looks out for Aeneas. And he brings Jesus' healing to him. So look out for people in need. Keep your eyes open for them. Certainly pray for God's healing. Perhaps it's physical for other people. Perhaps it's, it's emotional or, or relational. But pray for them, for miraculous healing and otherwise. No matter what, we can always show compassion. You know, our, our church has an amazing ministry called Hand in Hand. And it, it serves those and families with, uh, affected by disabilities and special needs. And so we minister to hundreds of people throughout the course of a year that uh, are, are, uh, are affected by disabilities. And we've also seen as we've engaged them and helped them and serve them, that they also come and in return bless us by their uh, attitudes, by their service, by their love. And so that's why uh, ministry to, to those with disabilities is so big at Valley Church. And if that's something you're uh, interested in, you can check us out on our website under Hand in Hand. And you'll see all about the amazing ministry we have to those with disabilities. Um, I also want to mention 
that um, Valley Church, I'm so grateful for you guys. Uh, you, you, are, you do have great hearts of compassion. One, one area I might mention is that there are so many people at Valley Church who uh, uh, sponsor uh, children in need in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, and help them by your monthly donation uh, of just like $38. To, to bring food and clothing and education and spiritual uh, resources to children in need in that city, that great city. And I'm, I'm so proud of you guys and happy to say that over 500 children in need are sponsored by uh, folks at Valley Church. And um, that's another great opportunity to check out. Um, and then always, we can always point people to Jesus when they're hurting and they're brokenness in, in, through our actions and through our words, constantly pointing people towards Jesus. One other thing I want to do today in this passage is I just want to recognize any of you out there, uh, whether you're watching this online or you're in one of our venues, and you are a medical professional. And I just want to say hooray. And no matter where you are, though it's the living room, one of those venues, can we just cheer right now? Cheer for our medical professionals who, uh, who make a difference uh, every day and who sacrifice to help people in need, people who are hurting. I just want to recognize them today because you're in that healing work. And that's an extension of the heart of Jesus. So way to go. All right. So he brings his healing power into a world of brokenness. But the powerful love of Jesus also brings help in all of our problems. And we come to this second part of our passage is in Joppa. It's a nearby city. It's about 10 miles from Lydda. There was a disciple named Tabitha, uh, which is translated Dorcas. She was always doing good works and acts of charity. So first, a little bit about Joppa. Joppa is still there today. It's now known as Jaffa. It's a, uh, or Jaffa, it's a uh, kind of almost a suburb of Tel Aviv. It's kind of merged together. Uh, and it's a beautiful city, uh, both the ancient and the modern city of, of Joppa. And, um, and there was this woman there, and her name was Tabitha. She was a disciple. It's the only time in the New Testament the word uh, uh, disciple is actually a feminine word. So she was a female disciple. It's kind of a nice touch of just kind of highlighting the impact of, of a woman in the book of Acts. And you're going to see over and over there's some highlights of women who do great things in the book of Acts. So there was a female disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas, and um, she was always doing good works and acts of charity. Um, so there's this woman, and she had a reputation. She was always doing good works. Her name, Tabitha, means a, a gazelle, uh, which is this, in, in both uh, her, uh, the Tabitha name, uh, which was more of the Hebrew, and then the Dorcas, which was the Greek. They both mean gazelle. So maybe she must have been like her name. It says graceful and giving and loving and lovely. And, um, and she was always, uh, let's read it. In, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. And she was always going to Bible studies and using her yellow highlighter pen. Is that actually, wait a minute. That's not right. Okay, let's go back to the original, all right? She was always doing good works. So, you know, she was a student of the scriptures, I'm sure. But she was no, no more for just, than just knowledge. She was known for putting her faith into action. She was always doing good works. I love that. What would you want people to say about you, your reputation? If they say, you know, old Charlie, he's always fill in the blank. Susan, she's always fill in the blank. What would it be for you? 
Well, for her, it was always doing good works. Valley Church, we talk about that all the time. We do good works to build goodwill, to open the door to share good news. And that's what she did. And, and it says acts of charity. And that word indicates that she was meeting the needs of poor people, meeting the needs of people who had some kind of practical need in their life. And she was generous in that. She probably was a woman of some wealth uh, because we're going to read a little bit later, through her kindness, she's, she's helping a lot of people out. Uh, Joppa was a seaport city. It was the same place that, guess what? Uh, Prophet Jonah actually went to Joppa and was running away from the Lord. Uh, and, and Tabitha's doing the exact opposite. She's running toward the Lord, toward people in need. Um, she was always doing good and helping the poor. This wasn't a once a year deal she did at Christmas time. It was just her day-to-day -day life. Um, and we learned something here is that the, the power, one of the ways that God brings hope, uh, lasting hope to a world of hurt is that he, he uses us to bring practical help to people in need help in all of the problems that people have. It pleases God and impacts others when we always do good and reach out to those who are less fortunate, who are disadvantaged. It's always pure and faultless in a sight. James 1.27 even goes on to say it this way. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So what I'd encourage you to do to be a part of God's movement of bringing hope to a hurting world is do whatever you can to help. Sometimes we're tempted to think that the needs are so overwhelming, I can't do anything. So we do nothing. Well, I'm going to tell you something about Tabitha. She didn't solve everything. She didn't solve all the problems. But she did something. She didn't heal anybody that we know of. She didn't raise people from the dead. But she cared for people. And she used what wealth and influence she had to make a difference. And you know, she did what she could. And there are opportunities at Valley Church all the time for you to do something good, to, to love our neighbors. This is super important to us. And to help us kind of celebrate that and talk a little bit about it, I have a special guest to join me here. And this is Lisa Lewis. Lisa Lewis is the, uh, ex uh, she's the associate director of uh, our community bridges. She is uh, one of our staff members at, who works at the Valley Community Center here at Valley Church to make a difference in people's lives. And um, Lisa, I just want to ask you a few questions because we got an amazing event coming up, you know, in a couple of months. Yes, we do. And it is called Love You Des Moines Days. And last year we kind of scaled it back or did it differently. But this year we're going right back into it, heavy, uh, heavyweight style. So tell us about Love You Des Moines Days, what's great about it, and why people should get involved. So share a little bit about that. Yeah, Love You Des Moines Days is a nine-day community celebration in which Valley Church members host 150-plus uh, classes, activities, and events that are free to our community, mm -hmm. and it brings church members together with the community. That's awesome. And these activities, I know they're fun, they're meaningful, uh, they're easy to do. They're, they're not time-consuming. Uh, you, you contribute a little bit, but you can make such a lasting difference. And the whole goal of this is to build bridges uh, to the good news of Jesus, to introduce people and to get our, the, people, the good people of Valley Church connected to the people of our community and just to build bridges so that we really 
live out the second commandment. The second greatest commandment is to love our neighbors as ourselves. Anything else you'd just like to share about, you know, some of the opportunities that are coming? Got some examples? Yeah, so there are uh, activities and classes of um, a broad range for all ages. Um, we've got coding classes. We've got a bike, free bike repair event. We have um, cooking class, uh, art classes, um, health and wellness presentations, ice cream making, you name it. Uh, we've got activities for everybody in the community, and it's just an exciting time for us to come together with people in the community in a meaningful way. That is awesome. Okay, so I'm going to tell you how you can get involved. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three words, and, um, and can we just cheer for Lisa right now and tell thanks for her, what she's doing here. Great work, Lisa. We're so grateful for your leadership there. Can't wait for Love You Des Moines Days. We're looking forward to it. All right, great. Okay, so guys, uh, here's, here's three ways you can get involved in that. First, if you'd like to lead uh, at one of these uh, events. If you'd like to use your God-given gifts and passions by leading an activity or a class during Levy Des Moines Days, just text the word LEAD to this number, 515-644-1021. As if you'd like to lead one, if you've got an idea, just text that, we'll get a hold of you. Here's another one. If you'd like to volunteer, we're offering 125 plus activities led by volunteers for our community. So you'd like to jump into one of those that exists and that we're offering, you can show your love for our community by signing up to volunteer. You just text the word volunteer to that number, 515-644-1021. And we'll put these back up at the end of the message so that you can make sure to see those. And then the third one is, if you would love to like to love your actual neighbors in like your neighborhood by hosting a mini block party. We, we do this all the time at Valley and it's time. People are longing to get reconnected in community. Um, keep it as simple as root beer floats in your front yard if you want to, to get some families together or get some families together for a movie night or whatever. Ever, we'll provide invitations and ideas. You choose how big or how small you want it to be. You just provide the fun, invite some of your neighbors. If you'd like to host a, a mini block party, just text the word host to 515-644-1021. Um, and so I hope that you'll jump into one of those and get involved. We need hundreds and hundreds of people here at Valley Church. So if you're thinking somebody else is going to step up, that somebody else is probably you. And I would love to see you jump in. And this is a way that we can bring lasting hope to a world of hurt. Because let's face it, our community is in a world of hurt. Um, there's been a lot of problems and challenges, a lot of polarization, a lot of uh, just worry and anxiety. And this is where the body of Christ steps up and says, now is our moment to shine. So let's do it, all right? And by the way, you don't even need to wait until June. Just walk across the street, do, see a need, do something. Be like this bear, okay? Here, I got this bear. And you say, I don't know what to do. I, I'm not sure what to do. Well, you know, you're at least as smart as this bear. And look, he saw something. He says, you know, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to fix that problem. And then he's on his way. So you're at least as smart as that bear. I know you are, all right? Uh, okay, let's go to the third and final principle. And that is, how do we bring lasting hope to a a world of hurt. And that is, we do it through the powerful love of Jesus. And the powerful love of Jesus brings life to our dying world. It's a great passage, verse 36. In Joppa, 
uh, there was this disciple named Tabitha that we've been hearing about. Uh, and she was always doing good works and acts of charity. About that time, this Tabitha, a wonderful godly woman, became sick and died. And after washing her, which was typical burial preparation, they placed her in a room upstairs, which is a little unusual, which tells us probably that she was wealthy because she had an upstairs room, and also that they were waiting before they actually buried her. I think there was hope that maybe someone could help her, and that someone was a, a man named Peter. Verse 38, since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there and they sent two men to him and who urged him, don't delay in coming to us because we have something that maybe you could help us with. Well, verse 39 says, Peter got up and went with them and when he arrived, they led him to the room upstairs and all the widows approached him, weeping and showing him the robes and clothes that Dorcas had made while she was with them. She, she was so valuable to them. She, she loved these people. She cared about them. And it, it made an impact on their hearts. And um, Peter sent them all out of the room. This is the difference somebody makes. That even when you're gone, when you show kindness and love, people remember what you did for them. And they're like, we can't lose Dorcas. We can't lose Tabitha. We need her. We want her. We love her. Peter sent them all out of the room. He knelt down at her bedside. He prayed. And he must have been praying kind of away towards God. And then he turns toward the body. And she's been dead for some time now. And said, Tabitha, get up. Tabitha, arise. The word is actually resurrect. It's the same word we get for resurrection. Tabitha, arise. By the way, does this remind you of, of something? It should. Uh, Old Testament, Elijah, Elisha, but New Testament, Jesus, he goes into the room of a, a little girl and he says, not Tabitha, but he says Talitha. Only one word, only one letter of difference. Not Tabitha here, but Talitha, arise. Jesus says that to this little girl, and of course she wakes from the dead. And look what happens to Tabitha. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. He tenderly, compassionately gave her his hand and helped her to stand up. He called the saints and widows, the believers, and even the widows that were just community people, may not, probably not even believers, some of them, and presented her alive. Incredible miracle, a resurrection, a, technically a resuscitation uh, from the dead. Resurrection is to be resurrected and never to die again. Tabitha would eventually die again, but he gave her life again. In reality, it was Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus Christ heals you, Jesus Christ gives you life, Tabitha. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Why do they believe in the Lord? Because it was the Lord Jesus who did this. I want to ask you a question today. What's dead in your life? What's dying in your life? This is a stupendous and incredible miracle. We don't see a whole lot of resurrections or resuscitations like this to life again. But it's rare. It does happen, but it's rare. But all these miracles, it was rare back then. I mean, Peter wasn't raising you know, hundreds of people a day from the dead, even though people were dying 
by, by the scores every day. But he raised this woman to life. And it's just a symbol that points to Jesus Christ calls dead things to life. And he wants to call the things and the parts of you and the, and, the, and the relationships that are dead in your life. And he wants to give life to them. He wants to renew them. He wants to revive them. He wants to breathe new life in what's dying, hurting, and maybe feels like it's dead. You can, you can ask him today to help you in that. You can ask him, Jesus, could you speak forth to this dead thing in my life and say to me, arise. He will listen and hear your prayers. You don't have to wait until somebody dies to, to be like a Peter who ministers life. This Valley Church is a life-giving church. You, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can be a life-giving disciple like Peter was. You may not do miracles, but to the people who receive your love and powerful love of Jesus, it'll feel like a miracle because you reach out to them. Maybe it's their financial troubles that you reach into and help them with. It might be a job loss, family heartaches, health issues, marriage difficulties, emotional difficulties, parenting challenges. Maybe it's loneliness or depression or grief that someone is struggling with. Maybe they're just so stressed out and anxiety plagued. And you come along with them and you pray with them or you help them practically. Uh, you speak to them and show them that you love them with the powerful love of Jesus. And you offer them not just platitudes, but friendship and help and life. They'll think that it's a miracle. Maybe they're struggling with some kind of addictions. And you don't run from them, you run toward them. Maybe it's alcoholism or drugs or porn or whatever it might be. And you're a friend to people in need. That will be life-giving to a world of hurt. Last verse for today. And we'll look at it more next weekend. The powerful love of Jesus brings life to our dying world. Peter stayed for some time in Joppa with Simon, a leather tanner. What's a leather tanner? Well, it's not, it's not Simon's tanning salon. It's not a tanner guy uh, who runs a tanning salon. It's Simon the tanner, okay? Um, a tanner in the ancient world and today is a leather producer. It's based, the word tanner, based on the activity of tanning, a process of preparing leather from animal skins. So you can actually visit a place that is historically still in Joppa there, um, Jaffa, uh, and it's historically the, the house of Simon. It actually says it on the door. It's actually a private residence today. There's a couple of places that people claim that this is, was the site of the house of Simon the Tanner. The original house is, is no longer there, but they say this is the site. And, and guess what? This particular place is on, uh, you can, it's easy to find in, in Jaffa. Just put in your GPS uh, 8, that's the address uh, street number, and then it's 8 uh, Simon the Tanner Street. And you'll come right to that house. Um, or there's another church nearby, uh, very close to this, that's, that's uh, built on what they feel is it's by the sea, uh, a place called for Simon the Tanner. The reason I bring it all up is that Peter associated himself with a guy named Simon the Tanner. And it's, it's strange because tanners in the ancient world were, did not have a great reputation. They were viewed as kind of dirty jobs and just associated with grit and grime and smell and stinks, and it's just not the most glamorous job. But you know, Peter, even though he was the leader of the apostles, he opened his heart, and Simon the Tanner used his vocation to open his home to a guy named Peter. 
And Peter, the fisherman, who was used to smelly things, walked into a tanner's house, and he stayed there for who knows how long. And this particular house is going to set the scene for what comes next week, which is one of the most epic events in world history, and we're going to look at it next weekend. But I love the way the story ends because it ends with a simple way that a tanner, blue-collar guy opens up his home to one of the greatest people who ever lived, the Apostle Peter. I'll conclude with this. The only lasting hope in a world of hurt is the powerful love of Jesus. Our passage today is just a trailer. It previews a coming, uh, of coming attractions still to come. For today, we learned Peter says Jesus Christ heals you. And he says that to you as well today. He can bring healing to you. Today, Jesus Christ heals you. But it's looking forward to a coming day when Jesus Christ brings full healing to all who believe in him. In fact, the book of Revelation has a vision of our promised future. And it says, the tree of life, this vision says, in, in eternity, in the new heavens and the new earth, was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And there will no longer be any curse at all. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him, fully healed of all their troubles. And then today we looked at a passage that said, Tabitha, arise. One day, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. And even if you die, yet you shall live. The promise is that Jesus will one day raise us from the dead. It's interesting. You can go to Jaffa and you can go to a place called Tabitha's tomb. And this is it. And it's built over in a church. It's built over a place where uh, she is purported to have lived and died. See, Tabitha was raised from the dead, but she eventually did die. But one day Jesus is coming back, and you know who he's going to say to Tabitha? He's going to say one more time, Tabitha, arise. And you know what else he's going to say to everyone who's trusted in him? He's going to say, Quentin, arise. He's going to say, Michael, arise. Jessica, arise. Ashley, arise. Andrew, arise. And every one of us will be raised from the dead, never to die again. That is lasting hope in a world of hurt. Father in heaven, I pray that you will speak to every person who hears this, this powerful passage, speak to their hearts today in the way that is meaningful to them and help them to turn in faith to you, Lord Jesus Christ, who paid for all of our sins on the cross and who was raised from the dead to live, for us to live forevermore. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.